Hey, thanks for listening to the Voice of Sovereign Grace. This podcast is a ministry of Grace Church in Harrisburg, North Carolina. You can check us out on the web at graceharrisburg.org. If you would turn with me, please, to the second letter of Peter. Second Peter will be reading the first four verses of chapter 1. Peter writes, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that in Jesus Christ you have poured out blessings beyond measure upon us. You have given us, as Paul says, every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenlies. We marvel at the wonder of what you have given. And above all else, Father, you have given us your only Son. You sent him to die in our place, You sent him to live a perfect obedience to you that you now account to us. And you have promised that he will come again and receive us to himself that we will forever be with him. Thank you, Father, for the wonder of your goodness and grace to us. We pray that your spirit would teach us even to now that we might know you more deeply, more fully. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. What is your most valued treasure? The thing that uh, you cherish above everything else. The thing that is to you most precious. You know, we all have stuff that we cherish, uh, things that we value, and yet we know that all the stuff is replaceable. When disaster strikes, we uh, talk about the fact that things are replaceable. It's the people that we're concerned about. We are grateful, and we thank God when no one is hurt, no one dies. It's just the stuff because we, we value people, we value relationships, we value our family, our friends. We value intangible things. We value our reputation. We value our standing in the various associations of life. You know, we, are, we value what we deem to be good in society. And we are greatly concerned when we see our culture and our society and our nation headed in wrong directions. 
In fact, we are currently in the middle of a, an election cycle, and we hear politicians talking about things like our American values and our family values. And But what is it that we truly esteem above everything else? What do we value more than anything else? What is for you your most priceless treasure? Is this something that you pursue with all your might? The Apostle Paul made it crystal clear what he sought more than anything else. In his letter to the church at Philippi, he wrote, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Knowing Jesus was for him the pearl of great price, that hidden treasure for which he gave up everything. He wanted to know Christ above everything else. In our text tonight, Peter points us to the true value of this precious faith and the exceedingly great and precious promises that are given to us through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. This knowledge is one of the main ideas that Peter is concerned with in this second letter. At least six times he refers to this knowledge of God Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, he says in the very opening salutation. His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us. We are diligently to add knowledge to our faith, so we will be fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we escape the pollutions of the world, he tells us in chapter 2. And the final exhortation of the letter is to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Why such a focus on knowing our Lord? Well, the best answer is in what Jesus said in that high priestly prayer in John 17 as he was praying and he said, and this is life eternal that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. The secret to life, the way to grow in grace and peace, the fountain of everything we need for life and godliness is the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. So with that backdrop, let's dig into some of the specifics of these first four verses. Uh, The author of the letter is Simon Peter. Uh, if you have the ESV, it may say Simeon Peter, uh, various uh, ways that that name is used in different uh, manuscripts, but it's the, the, the Peter, the apostle, the one who was the leader among uh, the disciples. Uh, Peter uh, was a leader, and yet he presents himself here not as the apostle, but as an apostle, just one among many. He is an apostle, but he is also, and first and foremost, a servant. He identifies himself as a servant of Jesus Christ, as well as an apostle, a slave to Christ. He also places himself among all believers when he addresses the letter to those who have obtained like precious faith with us, or as the ESV translated, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing 
Now, we have to be careful as we read this word obtained. Uh, sometimes we read a, a connotation into that of, as if this were something that we acquired in some way through our own effort. Uh, the Greek word there really has the idea of receiving something. And so uh, we need to recognize that this is something we have received. It is a gift from God uh, by faith, uh, but it is something that is, as, as uh, Kistemaker puts it, he said, faith is a gift from God by the will of God. Uh, Jesus pointed us to this in uh, the opening chapter of John's gospel when he said that uh, we are born in faith, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is a gift from God. And uh, th- this word that is used here to, uh, to uh, as, as Peter introduces this, when he says we have obtained this uh, faith like uh, the faith that he has, uh, it's a word that uh, really has kind of the idea of receiving something in a lottery. Uh, the same word is used back in Acts chapter 1 when they are replacing uh, uh, Judas as the, one of the dis- disciples, and it says that Judas was allotted a part in the ministry. It's that kind of thing. It's something that is given uh, and received. So uh, we receive this faith uh, as a gift. Uh, Peter is writing to believers, to those who have received the gift of faith, and it is a faith which comes through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, he says. Now, uh, there's something interesting in the Greek text there that we can't quite grasp in, in the English language uh, and we're trying to translate it this. Uh, there's an idiom there where in, in the Greek there's actually a definite article, the God. And when two nouns are put together in connection like that with a definite article, they just use the definite article one time, but it connects the two as being equal. And so we might translate that uh, this is uh, through the righteousness of the God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, and it identifies Christ as being God. Uh, that's something that is clear throughout the, the uh, New Testament. Uh, it made, makes it very clear that Jesus is equal with God. In fact, uh, that's the very reason that uh, the Jews wanted to put him to death is because he claimed equality with God for himself. But this is something that the disciples uh, proclaimed early on. In fact, uh, shortly after his resurrection, when Thomas saw the risen Lord for the first time, he cried out, my Lord and my God. Uh, we recited this morning in our worship the Nicene Creed in which we declared our belief in the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, equal in substance. So Jesus is our Savior and he is God. Uh, he, uh, as Paul says in uh, his letter to the Colossians, in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Uh, Christ is God, and it is in him that we have received this wonderful, precious faith. So uh, having identified himself then as the, as the writer and identifying those to whom he is writing as fellow believers... Uh, Peter then <clears throat> salutes the receivers of this letter with a greeting that is common to almost all the New Testament epistles, grace and peace to you. But here Peter adds an interesting phrase. He says, 
something that is a clue to one of the themes that he's going to be focusing on throughout this letter. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Peter longs for believers to grow and to mature, uh, and he'll give a lot of attention in his first chapter especially uh, to the development of faith and how Christians should diligently pursue the the life of faith and not be negligent to be established in the truth. He tells them uh, right up front then that this multiplying of grace comes through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. It's significant, I believe, that he uses a word uh, in referring to this knowledge that's a, it's an emphatic word, uh, not just a, a simple knowing uh, that we might uh, sort of uh, read through hurriedly and, and not really comprehend. Uh, it's a compound word in the Greek that uh, some have translated through the full knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Um, when uh, my wife and I were uh, headed to the mission field, we had to go to a language school down in Costa Rica. We studied Spanish, and we found out uh, that they have two different words for knowing, and how you say it uh, makes it a completely different meaning. Um, if uh, you were to ask me, do you know Paris? And I would say yes, and in Spanish, I would use the verb saber, but if I had been there and gotten to know the city and lived there for a while, I might say, yes, I know that city. And I would use the verb conozco, conocer, because I know it experientially. I think that's the kind of emphasis that Peter is giving us here with this word uh, where he's speaking of this full knowledge, this experiential knowledge of God. It's not just an intellectual knowing about God, but it is knowing him. In verse 3 then, he makes uh, an astounding, uh, amazing assertion uh, when he says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Yeah, you know, I'm amazed at the 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 superlatives, the, the the nth degrees that are used in Scripture when it speaks of what God has given us in Christ. Uh, I've already mentioned it. Paul in his letter to the Ephesians, you know, said God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Uh, Here he says that he's given us everything we need uh, for life and godliness. Uh, There's another place where Paul talks about the fact that God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in every good work you have everything you need for every good work. God has given us everything in Christ. And so here he says that as believers... We've been given everything necessary for life and godliness. The NIV puts it like this. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And again, this is through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. God has given us, through knowledge of him, everything that we need for life and godliness. Do we treasure that? Do we cherish this? Christ is everything to us. 
So the proposition, I would say, is this. We are to cherish Jesus as a priceless treasure because in knowing him, we receive the gift of our precious faith, and through knowledge of him, he has granted us precious and exceedingly great promises by which we become partakers of his divine nature. That's astounding. What God created us to be, what we totally messed up with our sin and our rebellion and our disobedience, God in Christ restores in us and enables us to become partakers, participants in his divine nature. So for the remainder of our time, I want us to focus briefly on two aspects of this treasure that we have in Christ. Uh, I read our text in the King James, uh, and it repeats uh, this word precious. I, I like that. This precious faith and these exceedingly great and precious promises that are given to us in Christ. Uh, that uh, word in the Greek uh, language has to do with value. Uh, significance. And so we have a precious faith and are given precious promises in Christ. So uh, Peter says that uh, we have received a like precious faith, or in your ESV, a faith that is of equal standing as the one that he has. Uh, The word like uh, uh, means that this is something that is common to all believers. Uh, this, th- there's no place for pride in any walk with Christ. We are given grace by God's gift. And so, uh, as Paul writes to the Romans, by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. You have great faith, God gave it. You have a little faith, God gave it. Whatever your measure of faith, it's a gift from God. There's nothing for you to be proud of, just grateful for. It is a precious faith because it is a gift from God. So given and not earned, you know, we uh, some things are precious to us because of who gave them to us. Uh, we have some things in our house that uh, if you were to look at it, you would say, why are you hanging on to this, moving it all around the world like you have? We're in our 38th house, I think, now in 56 years. Uh, <laughs> one year on the mission field, we were in three different houses in one year, uh, all because the mission said, you got to move here and go there and do this. So... Uh, but we value these things because of who gave them to us. We've got some rocks at our house that one of our grandchildren picked up and gave to Mamu, and it's a treasure because of who gave it. In this case, we treasure this faith both because of who gave it to us and because of its own intrinsic value. God has given us a faith that is precious. It's precious also because it is a faith that lasts. You know, we, uh, we talk about precious metals, gold and silver and uh, platinum and all these other uh, metals that we call precious because they don't corrode very easily. They don't rust away. And 
But this faith is precious to us because it is lasting. It is lasting because of the price that it cost. It is a costly gift for us. Peter writes in his first letter, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, mentions those precious metals, said they're perishable, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. What a costly faith. What a costly gift. But it is something that lasts and will endure because it is God's gift and it is God's work. God gives the faith. We've already mentioned Ephesians 2 where God says to us that our salvation is by grace through faith and it's a gift of God, not of works, nothing to boast about. It's a gift of God. He gives the faith. He sustains the faith. In Jude, we have that wonderful benediction in the closing verse of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. God is able to sustain everyone he calls to himself and to present them to himself blameless in the very presence of his glory, not in fear, but with joy. God gives the faith. He sustains the faith. And he sustains the faith of all to whom he gives it. You remember Jesus' words in John? He said, all that the Father has given to me will come to me. And he says, it's the will of the Father that I don't lose any of them. I'm going to raise them up on the last day. Every one of them. God has given the faith. He sustains the faith. And he keeps it. In Peter's first letter, he says, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith. God keeps it. uh, Paul talks about having kept the faith, and we are to keep the faith. There's always responsibility on our part. But it's a sure thing because God keeps it. It is kept for us, this precious faith. But not only does Peter point us to this precious faith, he also points us to the precious promises that are given to us. These promises, he says, are exceedingly great. Uh, Some of the modern translations say very great. Yeah, very great. I, I like that old line, exceedingly great. The uh, Greek word there is the word uh, megista. Uh, it's the word that, from which we get uh, words like uh, megaphone and megabytes and megalomania. Uh, it means really big, great. God has given us great, exceedingly great and precious promises. These promises are great because of who made them. God always keeps his promises. You remember the words of Joshua as he came to the end of his ministry, and he said to the Israel, not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. 
God's promises are great because he made them and he never goes back on his promises. They are great because of their purpose. Notice in verse 4 there, he says that these promises are given that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Now, we become like him in character, in our nature, not in essence. God alone is God in essence and substance, but we are made like him in character. We begin to reflect uh, the nature of God as he restores in us and renews in us and, and recreates in us what his intention was from the very beginning. So we are given these precious promises. They are 